0: God is our father, and like every father, every good father, he loves his children and he wants the best for his children and he wants to communicate with his children. And so God, our father, comes to us and he says, I got a gift for you. It's a gift called prayer. I want you to open this gift and use it regularly so that you could talk with me and I can know what's on your heart and mind. Through prayer, I want you to learn to listen to me and hear the small, still voice of my spirit. My precious child, I want you to use this special gift of prayer. Now, based on surveys that I've seen, the typical Christian takes that gift and puts it on a shelf and kind of leaves it there. And doesn't necessarily ignore it, but we only open it up periodically. We might open that gift to give thanks at mealtimes or we might pray in church. And yet in many situations of life that gift sits there unopened, unused until a crisis comes along. Oh, and then we eagerly unwrap that gift, and all of a sudden we're praying like crazy because we want and need God's help. And yet when the crisis is past, what does the typical Christian do? We rewrap that gift and we put it back on the shelf. And it just kind of sits there until next time. Now what I've just described to you is how I lived for years. And I know I'm not alone in that experience. Many Christians find it a challenge to embrace the gift of prayer on a personal basis. And the fact is, if we're honest, we don't always embrace it well as a community either. We spend way more time talking about prayer than we do praying. And you can see that very clearly if you drop in on most Bible studies or small groups. I once went to a Bible study where we spent 30 minutes telling each more than 30 minutes telling each other our various prayer requests and then less than 10 minutes actually praying about them. In that moment, God's great gift of prayer was only briefly unwrapped. Everything began to change for me when I started to practice prayer differently. And I learned a lot by reading through the book of Psalms and by praying through the book of Psalms. A friend of mine used to say, a psalm a day keeps the shrink away. (laughs) Oh, I love that line. And he would pray a psalm every morning. And it taught him how to offer more heartfelt prayers that kept him more closely connected to God. That's been my experience as well. And I learned from the Psalms, I took those prayers and I personalized them and made them my own. And that then enriched my own ability to pray and talk with God and listen to God. Julie and I both have a deep love for the book of Psalms, but one in particular has become our favorite. It's Psalm 5, the psalm that we're going to look at this morning. And in Psalm 5, King David of Israel models three practices of prayer that can help us more fully embrace this great gift from God. And through these practices, we're not just going to learn how to pray in a richer, fuller way. We're going to learn how to pray with a sense of anticipation about God's response to our prayers. We need to be people who are looking and listening and watching to see what God will do. Because when we pray, something's going to change. And we don't want to miss it. Now this morning, I don't want us to just talk about prayer as we so often do. I want us to pray together. And since Psalm 5 is in fact a prayer, I want you to read it aloud with me. And I don't want us to read this like we're reading a Bible passage. I want us to read it and offer this to God as our prayer. So let's pray together and we're gonna start with verses one to three. I'm gonna just read the ascription first. One of the things I love is when Psalms have ascriptions because they tell us how this was originally used and so many of David's prayers, after they were written down, they were set to music and then our uh, our Jewish spiritual ancestors would sing these prayers when they gathered to worship, which is so cool and I wish we had the musical tunes. Wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> anyway, this is to the choir master for the flutes. Oh, but that would be beautiful played on a flute, wouldn't it? To the flutes, a Psalm of David. Let's pray. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. In the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Now, we obviously can pray at any time of the day. And I would hope that we would pray at various points throughout each day. But, But King David here emphasizes the vital importance of praying each morning. And it's really good to connect with God at the start of the day because it's a prime opportunity to talk with him about situations that might come our way. We can ask him for wisdom about an impending important decision. We can ask for protection from temptation that might rear its head. We can ask him to guide our interactions with other people so that we respond to them in godly ways. And so as we pray in the morning and pray about things in the head that lie ahead in the day, morning prayer, almost by its very nature, becomes expectant prayer. And we then get to pray and go through our day looking to see what God might do. Morning prayer also is an indication of, Of our priorities. There's a wonderful principle that comes from the Old Testament and it's called first fruits. God asked the Jewish people, our spiritual ancestors, to take the first part of their harvest and to give it away as an offering. God wanted them to learn that that you take something and you give to God first, you don't wait and to give to God out of the leftovers. And we can apply that principle of first fruits to many things besides just crops as the Israelites did. We can apply that principle to our own tithes and offerings. We can apply it to our time. When we give time to God at the start of the day and connect with him through prayer, we're putting him first and not simply squeezing him into leftover time at the end of the day. Morning prayer demonstrates to God and to ourselves that he has top priority. And then what kind of a morning prayer does David offer here? Well, it's obviously not a hurried pray. He doesn't do what I did for many years and say, Oh, Lord, bless my day as I grabbed a cup of coffee and hopped in the car and drove off to work. David is doing much more than that. There's no sense of rushing in this prayer. He's taking time to share his heart with God both through words and through feelings. And he makes that clear when he says this fascinating phrase, asking God to consider his groaning. Consider my groaning, God. Now that, that word groaning in the original Hebrew text has many shades of meaning. And so some Bible translations say sighing and some say lament. Whatever it is, it's, it's heavy. <laughs> and we get a picture then that David is not just working through a list of routine requests. He's not praying and saying, okay Lord, bless me, bless my kids, bless my family, bless my work. Yeah, nothing wrong with praying that way, but he's talking to God on a deeper level. He's unburdening himself to his heavenly father, and he's doing so in both verbal and nonverbal ways. Think about that nonverbal prayer, groaning. Hmm. You know what? David's not the only biblical author to talk about that. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes something very similar. He says that when we don't know how to pray and we're struggling to tell God exactly what we're thinking and feeling, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. Isn't that fascinating? And here's the point. It's okay to sit in the presence of God and not say a single thing. The purpose of prayer is not to bury God in a blizzard of words. Remember we we read the words of Jesus last Sunday. He said that was a mistake the pagans often made as they prayed to their many gods and they just spoke incessantly, yapping at their gods constantly. And we don't need to do that. We can just sit quietly in an attitude of prayer and lay our thoughts and our emotions before God. And because he's our loving father, he wants to hear everything from us and then respond by reassuring us and comforting us. And so, yes, when we pray, let's talk, but let's also sigh and groan and weep And laugh. We can do it all. And God will receive it all. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but I have experienced some powerful work of the Holy Spirit in my life in those handful of moments when I've been praying (laughs) non-verbally and just groaning or crying in the presence of God and letting His Spirit minister to me. And as we follow David's example and we just lay it all out before God, knowing he's our father and loves us and wants to respond, then we can get up from our time of prayer and go through the day looking around to see what God will do in response to our prayers. And that's what David models for us here in verse three when he prays, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. Now, again, the original Hebrew language there is a little interesting. Many Bible translations say, oh, I direct my prayers to you and watch. But it's the idea of a sacrificial offering and prayer being intertwined here. And here's the idea. David is telling God, I'm participating in the Jewish daily sacrificial offering, and that's an act of repentance that clears his conscience as he prepares to pray. because we need to be a repentant people. We need to be able to approach God with a clear conscience. And so we obviously don't give animal sacrifices, but when we step into the presence of God in the morning, it's good for us to acknowledge our own human frailties and shortcomings and say, oh God, would you forgive me? Would you have mercy on me? And then with a clean heart, we can make our requests. And head out into the day with a sense of anticipation and expectation. As David says, watching. Watching and waiting to see what God might do. Yet here's a key point. As we pray and then wait with expectation, it doesn't mean that we should expect that God would always respond to our prayers in the way that we want. To watch with anticipation means that after we pray we look and we listen and we strive to discern God's will which just might be different from our own. And let me give you an example number of years ago, Julie and I received an unexpected cash gift, some money that came in that we hadn't expected, and it wasn't a lot, it was a few hundred dollars, but we were at a time when money was very tight and that was very exciting to have, and we thought, you know what, here's a lump of money, goes beyond the family budget, and we can use that to purchase something special for our family or our house that we normally wouldn't be able to afford to buy. Well, here's what happened. We had different ideas about how to spend the money. (laughs) Julie and I couldn't agree on what to do with this special gift of cash. Can you imagine a husband and wife who disagree about how to spend money? (laughs) What a shock! (laughs) And so we started to pray. And being really honest, I was praying God change her mind so she'll agree with me. She was praying God change his mind (laughs) so he will agree with me. And he didn't give either one of us what we prayed for. Because God doesn't always give us what we want. He's more concerned about giving us what we need. But we had learned to pray with anticipation. We would pray and look and listen and try to hear God's voice and discern his will. And God impressed on both of us, here's what you're supposed to do with that money. Wait. Don't spend it wait so we put it in our savings account and we waited and waited for months it was really tempting to want to do something with that money but we waited and then We were living in Southern California at the time. Some of you probably heard about the Santa Ana winds, a huge Santa Ana wind blew through our town and it blew down the fence around our entire yard and the money that was there was almost exactly what we needed to cover the deductible on our insurance. And so we were able to replace that whole fence with no impact on the family budget, which was a huge blessing at that time in our lives. But here's what we took away from that situation. God knew our need before we did. And he met that need before we even knew the need was going to exist. And he provided funds for us to use to meet the need. And we were able to use those funds for the purpose he designated because we were watching, because we were waiting, because we were listening and not pursuing our own agendas. And as I look back on that particular season, it occurs to me that if Julie had talked me into doing things her way, or if I would talked her into doing things my way, Oh, we would have purchased something special for the family and that would have been nice. But we would have missed out on the joy of seeing God's incredible level of care for us. When we pray with anticipation, then watch to see what God wants to do and discern His will, we are better able to personally experience His great love for us. And that's the power of expectant prayer. And that's what King David points us toward here in the opening part of his prayer in Psalm 5 to pray in the morning, to let that morning prayer become expectant prayer so that as we pray in the morning, we go out into our day and into all our days watching, looking, listening, seeing what lies ahead so we can strive to hear God's voice and align ourselves with His will. And yet, sometimes there's an impediment that gets in our way. Sometimes there's a roadblock that interferes with our ability to hear God. And it's the problem of pride which can cause us to act as if we know more than God. Pride and self-centeredness cause us to take God's goodness for granted. And if that happens, then we just don't pay as much attention to God. And if we're not paying attention, we're much more likely to miss what he's doing and we were not nearly as likely to follow through on the best that he has for us. And so as David continues talking with God here in Psalm 5, we're going to see another principle at work. It's the principle of gratefulness. Gratefulness for God's unfailing love. Gratefulness that promotes humility in David's attitude and in his approach to God. And so let's join David in grateful prayer and pray verses four through seven together. For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Now, I don't usually pray like that, and I'll bet you don't either. Because a big part of what David's doing here is reminding God of his own character. And doesn't that seem a little strange? Hey, God, let me tell you what you're like. I mean, God obviously doesn't need to be reminded of who he is. Are we okay? (laughs) All right. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, let's pray about it, yeah. God obviously doesn't need to be reminded about who he is. But by praying this way, David reminds himself who God is. He is reminding himself of God's purity and God's holiness. And that, in turn, reminds David that coming into the presence of God is an incredible privilege. And the result? The result is a sense of gratefulness. Gratefulness for God's steadfast love. Now we've talked before about this aspect of God's character. That word steadfast is a translation of the Hebrew word hesed. And hesed is a huge word with phenomenal spiritual implications. It appears 240 times in the Old Testament and it is such a rich and complex word that it only can be described in English with multiple other words. So, hesed means a love that is strong and gracious and great and merciful and kind and loyal and patiently long-suffering and more. God's steadfast love is a love we can depend on. It's a love for which we should be deeply grateful. God's unfailing, long-suffering love puts up with so much from us. And he never ever stops loving us as his children. So as David comes into the presence of God to pray, he does so with grateful humility for a God who loves him like that. And he does so with reverential, fearful awe because the creator of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, loves him so completely. Oh, isn't that something to be grateful for? I'm convinced that this sense of gratefulness has a huge impact on David's sense of anticipation. After all, a God who loves David this much isn't going to ignore him. A God who loves David this much isn't going to listen to his heartfelt prayers and then refuse to respond and just brush him off. By praying with a grateful heart, David reminds himself of God's goodness. And that encourages him to keep stepping into the presence of God and to keep praying and to keep watching and waiting to see what God might do. And so we see an interesting pattern emerging here. David engages in morning prayer to remind himself to go through each day with a sense of anticipation. He expresses himself through grateful prayer to remind himself of God's steadfast love, which also fuels his sense of anticipation. And then David shows us one more element of a rich, heartfelt prayer. The final part of this prayer is a hopeful prayer. And so let's join David in that now by praying verses 8-12 through 12 together. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. For there is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels because of the abundance of their transgressions cast them out for they have rebelled against you but let all who take refuge in you rejoice let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you for you bless the righteous O Lord You cover him with favor as with a shield. David is praying here about God's justice. And the reason he's able to do so is because of his hope in God. Now whenever we talk about hope, it's really important that we understand it from a biblical rather than a cultural perspective. Culturally, Hope is a desired outcome based on our own personal preferences. It's what we want. It's what we hope will happen. Biblically, hope is a desired outcome based on the promises of God and the character of God and the will of God. And that's obviously a huge difference. So David, as a child of God, he prays hopefully for God's justice. And first and foremost, David does not want his enemies to lead him away from God because then David would be subject to God's justice. And above all things, David is hopeful that the Lord will keep him on the godly path, the path of righteousness, and that's a legitimate and godly hope because God does not want any of his children to go astray. And then David prays about the ungodliness of those who've attacked him and maligned his character and tried to undermine his leadership as king. And he's hopeful that God will exercise his justice upon those people. And that's a legitimate hope and a godly hope because God is just and fair. However... There's a key point here we can't overlook. God is the one who exercises that kind of justice. Not David. Not you, not me, not any human being. Only God. And this is where we sometimes get off track. Because we want to see justice done to those who've wronged us. And we want to appoint ourselves as the Avengers. And that's not our job. We also want God to exercise his justice according to our preferences. And that's not our call. The Apostle Paul makes this very clear in the book of Romans. Chapter 12, verse 19. Where he writes... Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so, yes, we can pray hopefully for God's justice. But we must recognize that His justice may be carried out in this life, or He may defer it until the next. There are people who've wronged us and we would love to see God exercise justice on them. And guess what? They might repent and throw themselves upon the mercy of God and God might forgive them. You see, we need to trust that God knows what is best and will do what is best and will do it when it is best. And so when we feel prompted to pray for justice, which it's okay to do, we pray and then we leave it with God. We let go of our desire for vengeance. And most importantly, we refuse to let ourselves get bound up with hatred and anger because that binds us to the past in unhealthy ways. We have to let it go, we have to give it to God, and we just take that and we lay it at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, it's yours. And then we do what David does here in this prayer. We shift the focus of our prayers away from our enemies and toward God's people. And so like David does here, we just express our hope that God's people will be full of joy and singing songs of praise as we experience God's protection and God's favor. And that too is a legitimate godly hope because that's what God wants for each of us individually and as his family. He wants us to be people who rejoice in His presence as He watches over us and sets us free from the junk of the past and leads us into a rich and vibrant future. When we pray with the kind of hope that David models here, it helps us look outward beyond ourselves and it helps us look forward with great optimism. It enables us to wait on God with a great sense of anticipation as we look to see what our great God might want to do. And then we can align ourselves with his will and his purposes. As we consider David's prayer here, there's a point I think we often overlook. David didn't just say these things to God. He wrote them down. Have you ever tried writing out your prayers? I have. And at times I find that tremendously, tremendously helpful. The the, the physical act of picking up a pen and writing out a prayer, or in my case, typing on a keyboard, because my handwriting is illegible even to me. (laughs) But somehow typing that prayer at a keyboard minimizes the problem of the wandering mind. It keeps me focused. That act of writing brings different senses into play as I pray. Because if I'm alone and I'm praying quietly, then I'm just hearing my thoughts in my head. If I'm praying aloud, I'm listening to myself. But When I'm typing, I can actually see my prayers. Somehow that changes how I understand them and how I express them to God. And I find that sometimes the prayers that I write are really different than the prayers that I speak. Because God's just working through me in a different way. And sometimes those prayers are much more specific and much more heartfelt. And here's what I really like. When I've written it down, then I can go back and look at it. And I can remember, oh yeah, last week, last month, last year, I was asking God about this. And Lord, I'm still looking and waiting and watching to see what you're gonna do in response to that prayer. If you're struggling in prayer maybe try writing your prayers it's not the answer for everybody but it might be a way to unlock for you a new way of connecting with God but however we pray whenever we pray God wants each of us to pray with hope the kind of hope that David models for us here He wants us always to be looking forward with anticipation as we wait on Him. Well, when our oldest daughter, Karina was about four years old, she taught me a vivid lesson about the power of anticipation. It was a couple of days before Christmas I got up one morning, headed into the kitchen to make my morning cup of coffee, and I looked over in our family room and the Christmas tree lights were on. And I thought, oh, I must have left them on the night before and not unplugged them. So I walked over to the family room, and lo and behold, there was Karina sitting on the floor. She'd gotten up early and walked over and plugged in the tree, and she was just sitting there. I said, Karina, what are you doing? I'm watching the tree, Dad. (laughs) I'm watching the tree. And we chatted just a little bit more and here's what I realized. The lights and the ornaments and the tree were very enchanting, but they represented so much more. That little four-year-old girl, they represented the hope of gifts. Gifts that she could not wait to unwrap and enjoy, and because of that she was filled with a sense of anticipation. Anticipation that changed her behavior. and Anticipation that caused her to get up early, to watch, to wait, and to see what would happen. Because she couldn't wait for the gifts to show up. She couldn't wait to unwrap them and enjoy them. I think that's a wonderful metaphor for the way God wants you and I to approach prayer. Because prayer is this incredible gift that God wants each of us to enjoy. He wants us to unwrap it and, and to use it often. He wants us to anticipate what we're gonna discover and experience each time we unwrap that gift. And our enjoyment of this gift of prayer will be greatly enhanced when we follow the pattern that we've seen from King David this morning here in Psalm 5. To practice morning prayer, grateful prayer, hopeful prayer. And then having prayed like that, to live our days filled with anticipation To see how God will choose to respond. And oh, He will respond because of His great love. And when He responds, we will be reminded of an unchangeable truth. Prayer changes things. When you and I pray, things will change and that is a very great gift from our very great God. Please pray with me. Our loving Father, we do thank you for the very great gift of prayer. Help us to treasure this gift always, not to take it for granted, not to leave it on the shelf, but to unwrap it and use it regularly. And prompt us, Father, to make prayer a priority in our our lives by giving you the first fruits of each day. By taking some time to meet with you every morning. And as we pray, Father, help us not to be in a rush. And help us not to pray rote, routine prayers, but to open up our hearts with you, to pour out our hearts to you. And then give us the trust to wait upon you with anticipation and expectation. Believing and trusting and hoping, knowing that when we pray, you always respond in some way. May we never forget that when we pray, things do change. And may we embrace that hope and live it out each and every day. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen.